0: Hello, and welcome to the World Fellows podcast. My name is Emma Skye, and I'm the director of the World Fellows program at Yale. My guest today is Beverly Ho. Bev, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Emma. So Bev, you're from the Philippines. Tell me about, you know, yourself as a kid. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Well, um, my mother is a doctor.
1: And so when I was young, she was my role model. I'd see her um, looking after relatives, then slightly thereafter, looking after my teachers, um, patients, generally people in our neighborhood. And I guess that was a very big inspiration for me. I didn't need to think. All I told myself was I wanted to be like her, not really minding what her
0: specialty was, but I just wanted to be a doctor like her. And did you think of, your, you know, did you dress up in a white coat like doctors? Did you have a stethoscope around your neck? Absolutely. And I think all parents, like, try to encourage that from their kids,
1: especially they're from the same profession. And I remember um, I'd go to the hospital with her, see how kids are being circumcised, babies, or... um, just you know, playing with her medical residents, um, sitting on the stretcher in the delivery room and being pushed from one, one hallway to another. Just you know, enjoying the whole process and not really being threatened by the environment.
0: And were you? Did you? Were you born and bred in Manila? Yes. And what's that like as a city to live in?
1: Um, when I was younger, I would say that. First, traffic wasn't that bad. Pollution wasn't that bad as well. Um, so, growing up, um, we lived in a two-story apartment. Um, every Sunday, there was an opportunity to go to the park, ride the bike with my father. Um, you know, take swimming lessons during the week. I would say it was, um, you know, there was really good work-life balance. Um, but slowly thereafter. When I started going to college, um, that's when I started seeing what the real Manila really was. Um, but you said when you started going to college, so did you go to college to study medicine? Um, so in the Philippines, we follow the American system. So we go for a pre-med
0: course first before going to medicine. So you did study and you did train to become a medical doctor? Yes. And did you have a practice as a doctor? Um Only very briefly, Um, I worked at my mom's clinic
1: um, on days where she couldn't, Um, but that was largely because early on in my medical schooling, there was a realization that this is something that I probably don't want to do on a day-to-day basis.
0: (laughs) So, if you're not a doctor, then what did you go to do? So, I would say I'm a doctor of the system, of the public health
1: system. Um, I now work um, as a public health practitioner, um, largely in the policy space. Um, In the last 10 years, I shifted from being part of the government um, to doing consulting work, just advising government, and to a certain extent, asking for money from government, um, founding my own um, NGO. Yeah.
0: So what are the biggest health challenges in the Philippines? Um, I would say that
1: we have, in terms of burden of disease, it's easy to say, okay, we still have this... Um, resurgence of outbreaks from vaccine hesitancy but at the same time we have growing um, cases of non-communicable disease you know people suffering from lifestyle diseases out of poor diet and um, stress stress stressful lifestyle um, but actually underneath all of that is um, I would say that our inability to manage these problems um, could be traced back to first, um, institutional capacities. Um, as, we have been, ha- as we have become wealthier as a country, we are now less dependent on foreign assistance, which also means that there's really no one who's going to help us do the things except ourselves. And so managing a more complex health system where the issues are not just one-dimensional is going to be our challenge in the next few decades. And not having enough people to man your governments, your social health insurance systems, um, not just your hospitals or clinics, is actually a very big problem. Um, And the next biggest issue would I say be um, inequality. Our stats show that for higher-income Filipinos, they have very better, out, very better health outcomes. So that just tells you that actually the country has the capacity to deliver that outcomes. It's just that it's dependent on your capacity to pay. And so I would say that these two big things, institutional capacity and inequality, would be the bigger challenges of our future.
0: And you mentioned that you set up an NGO. What does your NGO focus on? So our NGO is called Alliance for Improving Health Outcomes. Um,
1: It was built by several um, young public health professionals like me. And originally, our goal was um, to make sure that there were enough human resources um, within the public health and the public public health practice, Um, not just frontline health workers, doctors, nurses, midwives who would practice in the barrios, but more importantly, um, competent people who will be in um, policy positions as well, as well as research think tank positions. Um, And we realized early on that it's difficult to go into this field because the income wasn't stable. And so what we hope to do through our NGO was um, we bring in projects, but regardless of whether we have projects for a certain month, we retain the people that we have so that for a fixed two-year period, the young professionals who want in, who want to go into public health are able to, to have a stable career and say whether that's a period whether we want to do this or we don't want. And not simply because we're just going to give up because we don't have a project this month and... We're just going to be a call center agent, for example. So that was our um, way of contributing to making sure there were enough people to man the post, so to
0: speak. Well, you know, in the few months that I've known you, you always seem so calm and so happy. So how do you do it? What is it that keeps you always smiling and always positive? That's
1: a difficult question, Emma. Mm. Um, but I would say the first thing would be um, seeing my loved ones happy. That makes me happy. Being able to communicate to them and receiving the same affection gives me happiness. And over the last few months, I think I've gained extra number of family members from this fellowship program. So that continuously makes me happy. Um, Second is actually seeing the people I work with, especially the younger people, um, you know, finding their way um, and fulfilling their purpose in life. I think you you, you became a mentor to many students here in Yale, and there's no other thing that makes you happier than seeing people knowing where they're going to go and what, impact they're going to make into this world and um, the last thing is I would say anything beautiful makes me happy so it could be beautiful art um, you know beautiful clothes beautiful shoes um, beautiful music
0: um, yeah well we live in a period where people are very anxious about which way the world is going anxious about the future what is it that gives you hope for the future First um, is the new generation,
1: the young people that I constantly interact with. Um, no matter how negative we may read about being millennial would be or Gen Z would be, um, I often find a lot of them still very thoughtful about how they want to make an impact in this world. Um, and it's not so much just about competition or being excellent. And that that's refreshing for me, that people actually want to make things better. Um, second is technology. Um, it's shaping, especially the field that I'm in, medicine. Um, and I see it as a very big opportunity to spread more of the good things, of the good outcomes that has happened over the last century. And last, um, and this is something that I've been ruminating about while here, um, is the increasing appreciation of people about the importance of sense of community, um, which I think got lost um, along the way when we were too STEM-focused, like science, math, you know, like all the cognitive stuff. Um, And it distracted us from taking care of each other. And I, and I really strongly believe that this like, kindness among people is, um, if, if we're able to cultivate its importance um, and even like, equate it with all the other things that we feel are important now, um, those are going to be the big things that can make
0: us become super hopeful about the future. Well, Bev, we're really going to miss you here at Yale. Thank you very much. Thank you, Emma.